Hello and welcome back to Podcasting as Praxis. I'm David, my pronouns are he and him. I'm James, my pronouns are they and them. I'm Rob, mine are he and him. And I'm Alistair, my pronouns are also he and him. And we are joined by very special guest, Mick Wright. Hello. What are your pronouns? <laughs> oh yeah, my pronouns are he and him. There you go. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Uh, yeah, Mick, thanks very much for coming on. Um, we, we we have such violent delights to look forward to towards oh, have, the end. We have real um, delights. Yeah, Yay. which you know, just if it's within your wheelhouse, then people people who are familiar with you will know that it's it's actually going to be very fucking bad. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> we'll, if we'll I get know about it, it's bit. terrible. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sommelier for shit. Just the worst possible stuff you know about it. Yeah, Meatloaf oh, just, like, um, just likes to have like a quick flick through of the Necronomicon. Just like, oh yeah, been here before. It's fucking late reading. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, so, speaking of the Necronomicon, shall we re- uh, uh, resurrect some things for our nuggets? Because, uh, you oh, know... Oh, yes, I- please. Sometimes I feel like we do too many callbacks to previous episodes, but some of our absolute favorite things are either back from the dead or (laughs) turns out to never have been dead, or they're just, they're vibing, and we love things that vibe. And the the thing that I love the most that has by far the biggest vibes, it is, of course, our beautiful boy. Um, Secretary Ben Wallace has said that the Ajax program is back on track, everybody. Oh, boy. But if Ben Wallace says that's the case, then it must be true. Yeah, I know. There was if, a great um, picture of him in the any, papers trying to like jerk off the Ajax, I think. He was doing some weird oh, hand gestures that was, thing. That was very good. Surely yeah, the yeah, Ajax of all that. things doesn't need jerking off. <laughs> <laughs> so you've just you've now created a mental image of an Ajax which is perpetually horny with itself, and I'm not sure I like that. Yeah, well, I mean, if you vibrated that much, James... Yeah, it's. I mean, honestly, like the Ajax is basically like, what if we bo- bolted a gun to a Sibian? Like, it's just, it's that good. Like, it's it's the thing that everybody wants all the time. Small reminder, if you haven't been listening to this podcast, the uh, Ajax is a armored fighting vehicle. It is supposed to be like the mainstay of all British land warfare for like the foreseeable decades, essentially. And it's um, a piece of shit that's shit. never worked and will never work. Uh, but it's a five and a half billion pound contract which has been running for 12 years um and i think we have like 12 or something by now all of whom are incredibly bad um as basically because they generate so many vibrations and so much noise that multiple doctors uh, multiple soldiers needed doctors uh essentially i love that I, I love that rob it's so personified to you you said all of whom there when referring to the ajaxes that's like fantastic <laughs> Ajax San is having a little bit of difficulty, but Dory will be sat fine soon. Like I'm now picturing Rob with like an Ajax body pillow as he curls up at night, and I'm just loving this. Fantastic. Yeah, that's what I said. Filling it with soldiers. Does the obverse of that pillow have like a cutaway picture of the of the Ajax? <laughs> sure, uh, this is but from it just the... shows a, a soldier getting fried inside. <laughs> Uh, this is from the BBC, from a recent BBC article. Initial trials were plagued with problems, including excessive noise and vibration. Some of those testing the vehicle complained of hearing loss, and others suffered injuries like white finger, a numbness linked to the use of heavy machinery. 
More than 300 individuals taking part in the trial had to be assessed for hearing loss, with some having found to, to be suffering long-term damage. Um, so, like, but like I said, don't worry about it. Things have been, uh, uh, Gen General Dynamics, the manufacturer, has been on the case and fixing things in terms of the, the vibration and the noise. And now you might be did, asking, what have they done? I was going to uh, say, I think, did, I think I saw this because didn't, isn't there unique solution like a comfy chair and some headphones? Yes, it is. Uh, this is from the Times. Yes. The British Army claims it had fixed the troubled Ajax armored vehicle program by putting extra cushions in the seats and giving soldiers another pair of <laughs> extra ear protectors. <laughs> so you giving can, you... every soldier a gamer chair. <laughs> a gamer chair and some razor headphones, fuck yes. <laughs> no, please, Dave, it's the cat girl earphones, you know. <laughs> I'm just thinking while well, like they've put you know it's like they've put some extra throw pillows in there a little bit of car a little bit of shag carpet you know they put a hooker in the corner it's just it's a whole new vibe in there they tried uh, they tried putting some candles in but unfortunately the vibrations kept on snuffing them out so you know <laughs> just I mean, to settle for the LEDs then yeah <laughs> so basically uh, uh, to be inside the Ajax now soldiers will be, will have to wear two sets of ear protectors over each other uh, the inner one has a crimson piece so you can talk to each other. I'll remove my Situation. ear protection to reveal a smaller sub-ear protector. <laughs> Everyone is tired of this fucking tank. Now, shall we continue? I, I love this idea of, like, situational awareness. What is that? Like, uh, oh, fantastic. I just have this idea of, like, all the all those squaddies inside them having, like, these big, like, fluffy pink earmuffs over the top. Just <laughs> It's more of a vibe. This is such a good vibe. Oh. Um, however, I, sh I should say there are still significant doubts as to whether or not the internal comm system, which I think you'll agree is even more important when you're wearing two layers of headphones, uh, whether or not that internal comm system works at all to begin with. <laughs> So you're just gonna to need to bring your little whiteboard and marker pen, so you can just write that shit down and show show your uh, <laughs> show your squad. However, incredibly, and this is from the Times again, uh, the things that General Dynamics has not touched or tried to fix in any significant way: uh, the suspension, the engine, or the tracks. So none of the root oh. causes, the causes, yeah. will remain very, very good. The causes are very good. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I fucking love this thing. This is the most fucked bit of machinery the British Army's ever fucking seen. And it's so good. And according to uh, two defence uh, experts on Twitter who are often cited in relation to the Ajax, uh, Francis Tusa and John Hawkes, apparently the vibrations are still... It's possible that they're still bad enough to just, like, sh shake loose the connecting cables. Uh, but, you know, they don't impact... <laughs> It, it truly baffles the mind to try and comprehend <laughs> just how hard this motherfucker vibrates. Like, <laughs> it feel, it's going to feel like a fucking magnitude three, like, fucking I, earthquake I like it. as it approaches on the battlefield. And I think you got it wrong. I think what's going to happen is they're going to roll it up to, like, you know, the joint, like, uh, NATO exercises, etc. And the other soldiers are going to be like, okay, it, it looks kind of impressive, but why have you put a massive base sound system in it? And they're like, oh, no, that's no sound system. Uh, like, that's the kind of level of vibration I'm expecting to come from it. 
maybe the maybe that's that the answer. Can... Maybe you're maybe James, you're onto something. Maybe that's the answer that like actually general uh, <laughs> dynamics has like has like subcontracted the whole the whole thing to like West Coast Customs, and they've just put in like ten thousand speakers for no reason whatsoever. <laughs> See, my mind went in a different way when you said maybe that solution. I'm like, oh, what? Put in a sound system and have it vibrate at exactly the opposite frequency to the Ajax vibrations. <laughs> like noise cancelling Ajax. To, I mean, might work. Better than what we've got. <laughs> I just really like the idea of the Ajax bumping over the Russian steps to like steal Dre or something like that. <laughs> the Venga bus is coming, surely. Finding the resonance frequency of Kaliningrad. <laughs> <laughs> but don't worry when i say it could still still shake loose the cables the cables don't do anything important they're only related to uh site radio uh stabilization and, and a couple of other parts that i'm sure aren't very critical to uh, uh you know driving this thing anywhere but these are not the elements of vibration is a necessary part of the whole thing that vibrates <laughs> Like, but the I can only imagine that that the, system uh, gets a bit the, fucking worse with the stabilization switched off. <laughs> the the vibration and the noise are like not the only unresolved issues. Uh, again, according to the Times, sources claim that but the wait, complexity. There's more. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> this, I mean, this builds on something that we've discussed about it before. But it's, I'm, I'm glad to see that this is still unfixed. Sources claim that the complexity of the turret system makes it vulnerable to bumps when moving across country i.e. it might not, still not be able to fire while moving. <laughs> and it also now, I, don't know, in a very... I don't know much about how tanks operate, but it is, as far as I understand it, one of the major advantages of these kinds of vehicles is that they can fire while on the move. <laughs> yeah. yeah, usually but, helps. Like we we can always go back to like the Napoleonic times when and we just we get a bunch of horses to just like drag a cannon around. I think that you know would would do for a comeback. I feel like this would still be a step down though because the fucking tank would just vibrate the horses to death. <laughs> <laughs> just turn them into a fucking glue directly. Scales the horses <laughs> from three miles away. <laughs> <laughs> and also in an incredibly MOD touch, uh, it turns out ammunition is expensive because there's only one supplier. Fucking incredible. <laughs> Jesus is, is, is this list nearly over? This is like the fucking Brian Butterfield defense procurement program. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, like, don't worry, we, there's way more, like, in the process of being built, because apparently G uh, General, Di General Dynamics has, like, 400 hulls that are ready and about 100-plus turrets that are ready in the factories to be, like, put together. Uh, but before they go any further, General Dynamics is demanding a £1.4 billion payment, and otherwise they're just going to leave this, I guess, I don't know, on somebody's doorstep or something. Now, now if I was feeling <laughs> malicious, one might call this blackmail. <laughs> <laughs> or, or like I a think, hostage situation <laughs> I think Al Alistair you may uh, be misunderstanding General Dynamics because according to one of their spokespeople they said that essentially we've thrown <laughs> this in is some not pillows. a hostage situation <laughs> <laughs> uh, no they say look we've, we've put in some throw pillows and gave everybody some earmuffs uh, so that's sufficient grounds for the MOD to resume payments <laughs> Yeah, what are you complaining about? It's fine. My tank that has this is not a hostage situation on the side of it is answering a lot of questions already 
uh, you know, raised by my tank. <laughs> uh, however, don't worry about it because we'll, it'll take at least another two years before the Ajax, and this is according to MOD own estimates, so like it's, it's probably 10. Uh, so yeah, for realsies this time. Final, yeah. final, final. Yeah, so 2025 could be the year that, you know, we we finally shuffle loose this mortal coil as a as a nation. Uh, so that's the one, that's the first thing that's that's resurrected or just still shambling on. And I, I love it. And I love the Ajax and may it, may it never cease to, to vibrate. Uh, the other thing that I thought had been killed off, uh, but is actually has been resurrected. Uh, British Vault is back. Uh, this time in pog form. <laughs> I feel like we're uh, always talking about this fucking thing. I don't really like if, um, like... if listeners have noticed that the podcast, this is the point where the podcast begins to drop in quality because, as you can see, we've, we've got a season here where we're quite heavy on guest appearances. We're recycling old content. Um, so I'm sorry, folks, uh, but this this is the, the beginning of the end of this. Am I yeah, Poochie? Is no, that I'm what's sorry. happened? Am I Poochie? Do I have to return to my home planet? <laughs> <laughs> no, like in our, in our defence, that's Britain. No, Britain has reached a stage where it's recycling old content, um, mm -hmm. as we kind of covered extensively in recent God, episodes. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, so if you're like listening... 1995. <laughs> Uh, so if you want to listen to the full thing, uh, episode 171 is your friend. Um, essentially, they've been given a new... They've been bought out of administration by uh, a, a new company that has some interesting directions. And I will say this is... This is closer to like... a second ditch. Uh, possibly, <laughs> but I... Uh, possibly. Towards the... Towards the end, we're going to get into like something a bit more tinfoil than I normally get, but there's some weird angles to this, essentially. Uh, very brief roundup. Uh, British Vault was going to be uh, uh, a massive giga uh, giga factory to create lots of batteries for all the electric cars that Britain was going to need and produce in the coming decades. The whole thing fell to shit because it was created by people who had no experience of the industry, and it was just I don't know. It was it's stupid in the altogether, and it collapsed at the end of last year. Uh, under the weight of its own failure. However, it's been resurrected because there's a successful bid from a mixed US-Australian company called Recharge Industries. Uh, they oh, paid that's, a, 30... that's an ominous combination of countries. Isn't it? It's a cost-fucking-energy. <laughs> uh, so all paid... the money of the US and all the racism of Australia. Fuck yes, uh, together at last. Yes, basically. Um so they paid uh, a 30 million bid for the remaining uh, intellectual property of British Vaults and crucially the site, as we've discussed in the original episode. The Isn't, site wait, near Blythe on. is... Yeah? Hold on a second, Rob. Isn't the fucking the IP of this fucking company just some fucking samples that they sent out to car manufacturers that didn't really want them? Uh, maybe. I couldn't tell. <laughs> <laughs> But I mean, it, it it does retain some uh, issues and some burdens from you know falling over previously. This is from the Financial Times. Taking on the business will be complicated for any buyer because of the huge cash flow outlays needed to take over the old British Vault strategy. Though why you would want to is a mystery to me. Uh, or start from scratch. The retained fill in the old ditch and then dig it again. <laughs> yeah, but this time with like sharper edges, uh, and maybe less Ooh. less throw pillows. It's more of a minimalist oh, we, we aesthetic. We like to for. see we like to see British Vault rebranding its brand of 
digging a ditch, slightly less crisp edged. Well, they they are rebranding, but you know, or being rebranded. It's it's it, it, this story gets way weirder as, as I keep talking about it. Um, so the, uh, the among the other problems that it has is the retained employees, uh, which are only twenty six out of three hundred, but they do include many of the company's highly paid battery experts. So you do take on the wage bill pretty much uh, immediately. And uh, this is according to the administrators. What, what sorry, what what are they what are they rebranding to? Uh, it's a British vault, but with some ominous thunderbolts and a logo. Yes, mm, that's, that's not a bad way. That's not a bad way of of of, of framing it. Um, oh, fuck's sake, no. <laughs> but but yeah, uh, Ernst Young estimated that like, or Br- sorry, British Vault itself estimated that in order to make it to the end of 2023 as a going concern with its strategy, it would have needed an extra 200 million pounds. So like, uh, Recharge Industries is buying this shell of a company with massive liabilities and is probably going to need to put in like i don't know assuming they completely change the strategy but it's like a hundred million investment or something this year uh, uh to come so it's a bit weird because like um recharge industries has managed to assure um uh ernst young the administrators that they have sufficiently deep pockets to invest which is genuinely quite like odd because uh, according to the FT, is like even though they said, "Look, we have the thirty billion to pay to pay you," it took them days and days to actually like get the money together in a bank account to, to pay someone, which doesn't oh, you bode well. If you, you know what it's like, you owe someone thirty quid, and they're like, "Oh, can you pay me back today?" And you're like, "Oh yeah, sure, absolutely." Then like a week later, they're still asking you, and you like you just forget to get round to it again. These things happen. So not only do they have like these running costs, which are anywhere between like 50 and probably 200 million uh, a year, uh, but th- the idea of British Vault originally was to have like a 4 billion pound factory on this site near Blythe. But, you know, ma- maybe they have more money than I think they do because they did have the support, uh, this is according to the Guardian, of Ian Botham, uh, the former cricketer, who apparently was the UK's trade envoy to Australia until quite recently. <laughs> We, we, okay, this is such true. a such a deeply stupid country. It's not the only stupid country, though, because Recharge Industries, like I said, it's a, a Aussie uh, US kind of thing. Um, they, at the same time, they have promised to build yet another uh, gigafactory, but this time in Australia, uh, which is supposed to be delivered in the second half of New Year to start production. Uh, it hasn't yet, though, um, and it's but it's doing that in company. It, uh, in cooperation with another company uh, under the same umbrella of the holding company. So it's really weird. Like, so the the, comp- the Recharge is building this second factory in Australia, uh, but it's not just a battery factory, just like, you know, for building cars and uh, car engines and stuff, car batteries. Uh, it has this very specific purpose. It wants to build these um, car batteries China-free. Uh-huh. And if you're wondering what that is, basically Australia produces a shit ton of lithium. Normally they send it to China for like primary processing or like turning into batteries in the altogether. Uh, So this is to stop that. But not only do they not want to use China, which has like 80% of the world's electric battery uh, manufacturing capacity. uh, They also want to not use any materials from Russia. Um, And weirdly (laughs) enough, 
I can't. I've I've spent way too much time today trying to dig up stuff about Recharge Industries and its parent uh, holding company called Scale Fa Facilitation Partners. Um, is the one thing that Recharge Industry definitely has that I can say for sure is that they have an advisory board and a lot of senior positions stacked with like either active or just retired very senior Australian and American senior military officials like former Green Berets, generals, colonels, things of this nature. And I'm, I'm guessing wow. that it's probably... I want, I'm sure there's nothing to read into there. And, and I'm guessing it's probably also an entirely a coincidence that the UK, US and Australia have recently signed a big new defense treaty, uh, essentially to, you know, stop China or whatever the hell that is. Um, and uh, it's, it's straight up, it's straight up is to stop China, by the way, because like the Biden yeah, of administration has more or less decided, like, you know, China is, is now a rival in a serious way. And, you know, they've done a whole bunch of things. We should do an episode on that at some point, actually, now that we're talking about it. But anyway, carry on, Rob. Um, so also, by the way, and this is in some of like the uh, ele electric power battery trade publications that I read today. I have a very exciting life. Um, one of the new added <laughs> goals of the revived British fault will be to uh, supply military customers. So, oh, you know, it's of course not just there's, uh, military applications like directly, yeah. like not even not even just using the company as like a proxy for defanging uh like Chinese production of batteries or whatever, but to literally manufacture weapons with it. Hell so, yes. This is everything, actually great. Everything in this no. country either has to be a fucking landlord or an arms dealer. <laughs> no, like this is actually great. This is this is wonderful because I just my third eye is just cracked open and I've seen to the future and we're gonna have an invasion of Russia in the winter where all the Ajax's batteries go flat. And uh, it's going to be spectacular. It's going to be wonderful. I'm, I'm oh, extremely hybrid Ajax. Yes, that is a synthesis mm. of content that I require. Yes. <laughs> we take but, out like, the weak, kinda... fleshy, vibration-sensitive human and replace him with a smart, <laughs> intelligent, beautiful and perfect artificial intelligence. <laughs> and these sick so, batteries as well. So it's kind of hard to like find um, a data on like recharge industries because it's privately held. Um, so like I can't work out like how much money this company actually has to like not only like rejig British Vault but also to do this Australian site. Uh, so I found this article in Bloomberg that just sort of vaguely says, "Oh yeah, it's funded by pension funds, investment funds, etc., cetera, etc." Cetera. But like I said, I can't find how much money this company actually has to like build a four billion uh, uh, car car battery factory in Blythe. However, what I've got I a source did for you, find... Rob. I've got a source for you, Rob. Don't worry about it. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> However, what I did find uh, after after some amount of digging, I found a 2022 SEC statement made by Scale Facilitation Partners, which is the umbrella company under which sits Recharge Industries. Um, they share the same CEO. The CEO uh, of Recharge and the CEO of Scale Facilitation Partners is a guy called, uh, is an ex uh, PricewaterhouseCooper partner called David Collard. Um, and he signed this document stating that uh, Scale Facilitation Partners, so the parent company, definitely has less than 1 billion under management in assets. So I don't understand mm. the mathematics of this, but I'm happy to, you know. Get it, get in touch if you know uh, the financial structures of recharge industries. Um, 
the other thing that I did manage to find though about like the, the the parent company. So British Vault is now owned by Recharge, and Recharge is owned by Scale Facilitation Partners. But uh, Scale Facilitation is not only into like batteries; they're into a bunch of other shit. So this is from their website. Uh, they remember, but they have less than a billion in assets. Uh, but they have been investing in some other things, including. Um, a new smartwatch that can screen for respiratory infections combined with remote monitoring and algorithmic machine learning. So, yeah, I love, I, love to go to, I love to go to my doctor and they say, hey, can you breathe into this watch? <laughs> <laughs> um, they also uh, own or part own an AI company called Reopen that does procurement and health screening for like US public buildings, mainly I think schools. I think it's like a, a COVID thing. Um, yeah. And they also I hate this so uh, much. Uh, and they also own a PPE supply company with military and large supply companies, which they said we started out as a micro-sized Australian company, which I genuinely think means literally a guy in a van with you know a small trader <laughs> license. All their borrowers. I started out. I started out with nothing, just a shirt on my back and my van. And now I'm an international arms dealer. I love the idea of just like you're sitting at home and you hear the music and it's like, oh, right, you know, the COVID reopening relief man has come around. Do you want to go buy a 99 and a respiratory watch? Like, go for it. Just fantastic. Loving this. There is no greater Australian-American combo business um, <laughs> vibe than guy in a ute, but he's got lots of guns in the back. <laughs> I believe they call that a synthesis. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I, I, all I can say is I kind of hope that like this company's vision statement is just like Mad Max Fury Road, but like with electric cars. I think that would just be cool. The the more biz- the more banal a company name is, the more evil they are. Rule I think yes. is at work here, right? Scale facilitation partners. Yes has to be a company that will end up rendering humans, right? That just That's what's <laughs> going to happen. In stunning resolution, I assume. <laughs> <laughs> humans as you've never seen them before. Oh, Jesus. Definitely as you've never seen them before. Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> I love to wear my Soylent watch to work until it goes pink. <laughs> Maybe, maybe that's what's going on. Maybe these are the people who are going to build the um, the in time, the 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 smartwatches that we wear under our skin. Rob, no, no, <laughs> no. I just, I'm just picturing David with a rolled up newspaper at this point, like you know, disciplining Rob, who in turn turns around and takes our indestructible dog. You know, these things. Uh, oh up. dear. Uh, anyway, so that's uh, that's that's a little update on on, on small favorites, um, but I thought we should read we should read together with Mick because uh, you know oh, apart oh. from that it's always a, a, a joy to have you on. Um, I thought we should read an article. That's a lot. Uh, it's not a joy to have me on. Come on, come it on. It is a joy to have you on. <laughs> I bring no, no, I no, bring no. suffering and pain. I'm like a one man horseman of the apocalypse, like the horse guy Listen, of the apocalypse. Mick. At least it's not. At least it's not a certain episode. We don't have a full book. That's true. It's just an article. Uh, that's true. Yeah. Love you, Sinan, but for fuck's sake, like. <laughs> yeah, it's like you know, if the horseman of the apocalypse, like Sinan is death, and you're like, we need war, Mick, something like that. I you was know, going for pestilence, so it's like, you but know, you know, I'll pestilence, surely, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, actually, okay, yeah, fair, fair, fair. A secret fifth horseman <laughs> of the apocalypse, despair. 
<laughs> That's a fifth the columnist, one. usually in the Times. Uh, so the, the the reason we asked Mick to, to come on today is there was a piece published, I think, last week in um, the New Statesman. And we love the New Statesman because it's 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 a piece that really examined that 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 sits down, looks at it its own navel and just spends a lot of time picking lint and saying, hmm, the publishing industry, it's really good, actually. And except for all these woke types that are around. The new, state, uh, the new statesman is the spectator that doesn't know it's the spectator. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I think that's remember, a fairly... remember the last. Remember the last good thing that anyone at the spectator did when um, George Eaton got uh, what's his fucking face, like Roger just made Scruton. him look like a complete di- yeah, screwed and made him look like a complete dickhead, and he and uh, Eaton just got h complete shit as a result from the from that publication. Yeah, and got a special a special promotion demotion. Um, yeah so the piece is uh, written by Harry Lambert and it's called How Barry Weiss Broke the Media and this is nominally about media in the US but it doesn't take much thinking to be like hmm that seems to apply to you know Britain a lot but I think maybe uh, Mick sort of like start us and definitely the listener off if they don't know who the hell is Barry Weiss well, I t- there's something else actually that you need to do before that, which is very important to understanding why Harry Lambert is writing about Barry Weiss, right? Because Harry Lambert was on my uh, my Nepo Babies map because Harry Lambert's parents are super super uh, big deals. Uh, one of them uh, is Jenny Russell, the Times columnist, but that's not so important. His father is Stephen Lambert, who invented stuff like Gogglebox and Wife Swap. So to understand how little um, Harry Lambert has to worry about making a living, you need to understand that his father is richer than God um, and just invents TV <laughs> formats constantly. I do, before we before we move off, though, I do want to say that anyone who hasn't seen it needs to go and look up Mick's um, Nepo Babies yes. map of... Uh, oh, is is yeah. it mostly yeah. UK? It it's is, mostly it? UK, but I'm doing a big update next month, and I may be adding a, a bridge to the US because there's a few, there's a sort of point where it'll bridge over nicely. Um, I thought I'd just try and ruin their spring, um, <laughs> so uh, that's the aim. Um, so so like, get it yeah. now, and you can enjoy the DLC when it comes out soon. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, yeah. so Barry, Barry get, get, a, get a season pass to make to big big rights. Uh, uh, you I'd know, like c- to uh, border red wire. I'd like to sit down. I'd like to congratulate Mick to being the, the very first person to manage to translate Dark Souls DLC into a written medium. Well <laughs> done. Very impressed. The, I can't take <laughs> scholar you, of the first sin. Does but genuinely, well, did you it? see how insanely <laughs> mad they got about it? Because it was, it yes. was yeah, like, it was so much fun. And what's really interesting is like that is something where I did very little editorializing. Like I write stuff all the time, which is you know, very openly hostile to them. But that made them so much more upset. It's just, here yeah, are some Mick, facts. But... Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. As we know, facts have a left-wing bias. It also had yeah, the classic... It's fine when they say, when they say the quiet parts out like, loud, yeah. that's fine. But when you say the really quiet part out loud, that's not fine. Yeah, it was, all, it was also interesting. It was a bit like that thing, you know, people, the idiots say about modern art, where they were like, well, anyone could do this. I'm like, yeah, that's true, but you're not though. Like, and the worst yeah. ones were people who are, <laughs> the worst ones are people who aren't beneficiaries of the Nepo baby stuff, 
Um, but like, say, Luke Bailey from The Independent, who who I know and I've got on well with in the past, who's like, well, actually, the issues in the media are much bigger than this. And then, of course, people said to him, all right, mate, what are those? No reply, because, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and, and the point of it, it was people going, well, it's actually more about privilege, etc., etc." And it's like, no, the map shows that. The map illustrates that. It's just, it's saying, oh, look at these family connections. But it does illustrate the privilege thing. Yeah, but you know. Mick... Privilege springs out of the ground, like, autochthonously. Like, it's just one of these things that, you know, it's like being struck by lightning. And we can't argue with forces of nature like this. And it's frankly embarrassing that you should even try. Yeah. Yeah. And also, also, Mick, to kind of make it clear, like, you know, you calling them all a bunch of cunts is fine. But you questioning their divine right to rule by revealing the seedy underbelly of it, that's that's not allowed. Yeah. You know? Get yeah, rid of times, that's man. That's true. Anyway, their tactics are so bad. Like the best tac the tactic would have been to just ignore it. And I genu I genuinely thought it would just hang around our like corner of Twitter with people going, Look at this. And it so quickly was into their area and I was like, Wow. Like you cannot just ignore it. Like no, yeah, I mean, it's, they're you so the thin-skinned. They're all so thin-skinned that they have to. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was I mean, crazy. it's, it's it was the crazy. same sort of territory. It's the same sort of territory as when, like, Owen Jones brings up the fact that oh, there sure is quite a lot of people who went to private school in the media industry, isn't there? And everyone loses their fucking rag about how hard they worked. And it's the, I mean, it's the exact same thing, is it not? Well, that that came up with this because I've. I went I went to Thetford Grammar School, right? I've never said I didn't, and I always make a big point of saying I did because what's the point of hiding stuff? It's really weird to do that. And then immediately I got Roald Dahl's grandson going, I didn't go to university at all. <laughs> he, he went to Eton. Hey, look, Mick, that's he not went fair. to Eton not... and he cosplays as a special constable by flying in from Jordan, where he is now a member of the Jordanian <laughs> royal family, to pretend to be a cop. <laughs> So it was just incredible to be told, well, you know, you and I are the same. And I was like, <laughs> you need to check your privilege, Nate. This is fascinating. Mick, Mick, leave of a tiara prince alone. He's fine. He's just a special boy. He's trying his best. Like, he just why wants his treats of being a special mm. constable. Imagine yeah, what's that. Happened. Imagine what's that. happened here? What's happened here is that uh, all of the journalists are sitting in a big sandbox having a grand old time, building their little sand castles yeah. and shoveling in sand pits, into, yes. into buckets. And Mix, Mix just rocks up and gone, why are you guys sitting in all this cat shit? And they've just absolutely cannot abide the fact that he's pointing out that all this cat shit is sitting all around them and it actually makes them stink quite badly. And, and talking about metaphors around cat shit, let's talk about Barry Weiss. Um, yes, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, uh, Barry Weiss, uh, born March 1984, which makes her two months younger than me. So um, let's just get it out of the way now. I'm clearly just jealous of her success. Let's just understand that before I get into this. <laughs> so she went to Columbia University, and the important thing about her time at Columbia University, she was part of a group called Columbians for Academic Freedom, which was basically uh -oh. about harassing... Mm. Uh, harassing um, uh, academics that had uh, Arab backgrounds, um, particularly Professor Joseph Massad, um, a Jordanian academic that she claimed had intimidated her. Um, when there was a review done by the university, they found that there was, you know, bad things on both sides, as you might expect they would, um, but particularly that pro-Israeli students had been heckling professors, like, constantly. Uh, Vice basically attacked the findings of that, 
And uh, guess what? All of this got her a lot of attention in the press. Um, and it's all, it, this was in 2004, total precursor to a lot of the stuff we saw in politics in the UK in 2015. Um, 2007, she went and worked for Haaretz and Forward. The interesting thing is, Haaretz now absolutely hates her and regularly writes pieces about what a dick she is. So that's interesting. Um, then she went on and became senior news and politics editor at The Tablet, another um, made a major um, a Jewish publication. Uh, 2013 to 2017, she was at the Wall Street Journal. Now, what's interesting about the article we're going to read is people say, oh, she was a basically unknown books editor at the Wall Street Journal. That's absolute horseshit. She was deputy to Brett Bedbug Stevens, who um, she followed to the oh, New York Times. Oh, that guy. Fuck people no. knew who yeah. she was even when she was at the Journal. Um and Brett, Brett, uh, Brett Bedbug Stevens, um, uh, previously called Palestinians mosquitoes, and um, has a long history of defending racists, so do check that out. Um, then 2017 to 2020, she's at the New York Times, having followed Stevens there. Spent her whole time attacking what she called the student left. Uh, March 2018, wrote a column called We're All Fascists Now, uh, which you know is literally true in her case, but what she meant was that we, the left wing, <laughs> are hugely intolerant of the opinions of fascist, which is also true. Um, then in May 2018, she did a classic column now called uh, Meet the Renegades of the Intellectual Dark Web, which is when she starts oh, yeah, this is, talking about yeah. all those fuckers. Um, and about how Jordan column, Peterson had some really important ideas that everybody should listen to. 100%. And that column had to be um, uh, corrected because a large part of it relied on tweets from a fake Antifa Twitter account. Um, obviously that, <laughs> that, didn't, that didn't stop her in any way from progressing onwards. In 2020, she resigned from the New York Times after having spent months and months um, attacking her own colleagues in a desperate attempt uh, to get fired. Um, but she wasn't fired, so then she had to pretend that she was um, quitting uh, for um, ethical reasons because the, uh, the New York Times was being edited uh, by Twitter. Um, and she did a big public resignation letter, which, as we know, is a classic move in the I have been cancelled uh, tour. Um, the FT described her as a self-styled free, free speech martyr. Then in 2021, she compared herself to Galileo. Um, <laughs> so there you go. Um, and then later that same year, she founded Common Sense, which is a substack that is now um, metamorphosed, much like a cancer cell does, uh, into a publication called The Free Press, which has all sorts of maniacs writing for it. And then in November 2021, she and the other members of The Free Press and the intellectual dark web said they were going to start a university in Austin, although it won't convey oh, yeah. dreams and does not exist. Uh, Chapo rightly called it Barry Weiss's bovine university. Um, and um, <laughs> she has said uh, quite a few times that she's happy to be called an unhinged Zionist. So... That is Barry Weiss. Uh, and yeah. uh, the other background to say before this article is that this is the latest in a long series of articles about Barry Weiss. There's, uh, there was one last month um, by the Times' uh, in-house um, bedwetter, James Marriott, um, a man who wear, has to wear huggies to work. Um, he wrote one which was a profile of Barry Weiss, but he actually got to talk to her, whereas um, Harry Lambert just had to... Um, a slobber all over her without her even giving him an interview. There you go. <laughs> Hopefully that's yeah. a good background for you. I think that's a good background. And if you're wondering what she's up to now, uh, uh, like her 
uh, imprint and her like media empire is essentially uh, responsible for that new uh, J.K. Rowling podcast series called The Witch Trials Against J.K. Rowling. That's her. Yeah, the, wi- the Witch That's Trials of J.K. Rowling, which is presented by uh, a former member of the Westboro Baptist Church who did um, what we might be familiar with from the Tommy Robinson days of pretending that you've been de-radicalized. Uh, she's just been radicalized oh, in a different direction. Yep. It really anyway, is. Um, it really is just like a, a spider web of literally the worst people on earth. It's truly. Yeah, but like, what if? I, but Alistair, instead of saying it's a spider web of the worst people on earth, what if it was actually um, us, the censorious left, that want to stop common sense centrist answers from from coming into press? Because uh, let me just start reading about, uh, from from Harry Lambert's piece. A fight is raging at the New York Times, a fight that has been raging for years across American media. The questions raised by this battle are fundamental. What can a journalist report on? What can a paper publish? In in the past fortnight, dozens of unionized New York Times contributors signed an open letter criticizing the paper's coverage of trans issues, singling out some of their colleagues by name. Now, that sounds awfully familiar, like some papers we know here in the UK. In response, the paper's editors uh, made clear that the paper stood behind its coverage. Now, some of its leading journalists, including the chief White House correspondent, have published a letter in reply, criticizing the paper's union and arguing, we are journalists, not activists. That line should be clear because, you know, journalism is just reporting facts Mm. like the New York Times always does. I mean, I always find these like appeals to like facts very unconvincing because like these people like to think they have no ideology right they think that like they're just sensible centrists who uh just come to that come at the universe with an open mind and only absorb the truest of facts disregarding the fact that ideology is everyone has one and they and an ideology means that you treat certain facts as more relevant than others and this is just a concept that is so completely alien to them that, like, every other word that comes out of their mouth after they talk about being, you know, free speech and, you know, all this shit. Facts-based, just, just, just yeah, reporting yeah, what's yeah, out yeah. there. I was just going to say, I take umbrage at all of that because I have no ideology. All of what you just said is not pertinent. Do you know what does matter? The tone you used there was really problematic, <laughs> Alistair. <laughs> have you know I was perfectly civil there, James. No, I think you were incredibly aggressive, and it's very, very clear that you hate certain minorities. You know, that just comes through in your tone. The the way they treat ideology is a bit like when there was smoking in pubs, right? Like, if you just were in the pub, you would not even sort of eventually become unaware of the smoke. But when you come out of it, mm-hmm. other people are like, you stink. And that is what these people are like. They are within the... They're just in... It's like when you talk to people about newsrooms, and they say... Well, no one told me what to write. No one tells me what to write. We've all heard it so many times. But I've been in newsrooms, and it's true. Nobody tells you what to write, but you're pretty aware of where the third rail is. And if you stand on it, you know, you're dead. And it doesn't... You don't have to be told. It is in the walls of the place, you know? It is everywhere. It's like people say, I've never met Rupert Murdoch. I've written for the Times for 20 years. And it's like, yeah, the reason you have is you've never said anything that's pissed off Rupert Murdoch. Because if you did, you wouldn't have written there for 20 years. And the, pre- and the pretense that you would is laughable. 
These tensions have bubbled over for half a decade. All of the fury playing out on social media has an antecedent in the story of oh, Barry Sorry, Rice. I do like the use of half a decade there to establish five yeah. years. It's just <laughs> such a meaningless embellishment of a period of time, which isn't in the grand scheme of things that long. The other thing that's worth Bank saying about this... the CV energy. The, yeah, the other thing that's worth saying about this, this article and Harry Lambert in particular is when I was making the Napo Baby map... I got unsolicited messages from multiple people who work in the new new statesman saying, "Make sure this guy's on there. He's such a dickhead. He's such a dickhead." <laughs> like <laughs> e- even people who should be fully on his team. And also, someone else um, said to me, "Oh yeah, we tried to get him fired from somewhere, but like we were told he was too important to be fired. Like he he was too connected to be fired. He's like a cl- he's like the 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 like the alpha and omega of why this nepotism stuff is a problem." Um, apparently also when he was at York University, like he really despised people, uh, you know, who went to state schools, all that kind of stuff. So like when you hear the all bits right, from right. this article, it's worth knowing. Many American journalists, along with other with others, uh, loathe Barry Weiss. Their dislike is axiomatic. They do not need to refer to her by name when they traduce her online. They all know who <laughs> they're talking about. Bafflingly awful, even for her, wrote one male reporter after a piece by Weiss in 2019 that they had all decided was very bad. By then, anything she did was bad by default. Like an infant did a book report, the man affirmed, safe in the knowledge that his view of this (laughs) female journalist was almost universally shared by his media set, at least among those who felt able to tweet. He's making a really subtle point there. I don't know if you picked up on it at all. Is it that Barry Weiss can't fucking write? <laughs> it's, it's it, I mean, it's like, it's, I mean, it's really, it's like uh, reading some real sort of classic second wave feminism there from Harry. Incredible work. Brilliantly done. Do you know what it, do you know what it reminds me of? We, uh, point of we, order and a subri. <laughs> like as if everyone was fucking groaning that it was a woman who was speaking no it was just Anna Subri no one wanted to fucking shit. hear from very specifically <laughs> oh fuck's sake in trying to destroy Weiss the media set made her since 2017 she's gone from being an unknown books editor at the Wall Street Journal uh, to the founder of one of the biggest political platforms on Substack via the opinion pages of the New York so, Times. Wait, I'm sorry. Is this is this guy going to talk about how she's been cancelled? Yeah. Yes. No, is I, uh, do you know what I would love to be? I would love to be destroyed to the point that I have £2.5 million in reader revenue a year. That would be amazing. Yes. Destroy me. <laughs> Please destroy me to that level. I would love it. I'm begging you to destroy me to that level. Right, there's the short preview. The, the, venture, the venture has also attracted outside funding from major investors in Friends of Barry Weiss Tell Me, both the San Francisco tech class and an older generation of Jewish backers in New York who see Barry Weiss as a voice of sanity in a journalistic generation they do not understand. The Friends of Barry Weiss are all just Barry Weiss doing, doing funny voices and wearing little mustaches. Yeah, so, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> In December, uh, we haven't really talked about this, but it's boring and, you know, snooze essentially. In December, Vice was granted access by Elon Musk to what what later became known as the Twitter files. The first installment of which concerned a series of internal documents detailing Twitter's decision to suppress news coverage about Hunter Biden's leaked laptop in, in the weeks before the 2020 election. Sorry. 
later became known as no motherfucker. It was immediately known as that because that's what the hashtag the people were fucking posting. That's what they called it themselves. Yes. And the reason it didn't go anywhere is there was no story there. There was nothing there. Boring. There was was painfully boring. Like this is how a website works. A a, a tech company, when told by the FBI, hand like we we think this is you know like you need to take this down. Yeah, that's unfortunately that's how it works. It's dog shit, but that's how it works. There was nothing interesting there. Um, it's just because Elon Musk is confused by how an actual company works, given that the I things mean, he runs look, don't represent companies. Rep- you know, look like companies. I do think I, I think it's quite bold of Barry Weiss to come out and say that we should dismantle the security state apparatus. <laughs> <laughs> However, you know, fortunately for for Barry Weiss, the release of these documents led to led to her Twitter audience all but doubling. She added 450,000 followers in a fortnight. And I'm assuming that those are 450,000 followers who are all very interested in Hunter Biden's laptop for entirely normal reasons. (laughs) Weiss has left New York for Los Angeles, relocating there with her wife, Nellie Bowles, another journalist who felt that she was forced to flee the city's media by a certain social milieu. You are dating a Nazi, one New York Times editor is reported to have howled at Bowles after she and Weiss started seeing each other. A fucking Nazi. Reported by it, whom? It would be... That, if, if, this is like maybe an annoying point to make, but when I was editing stuff and when I was an editor, I'd be saying, reported by what? By whom? Like, that's a se- that sentences like that are like, you just say, well, who reported by whom? Oh, well, it's a, uh, labor so- a labor source make is fine. Don't worry about yeah, it. Yeah, but you can't even. But that, that is worse. That is worse than even a la- than saying a labor source because what he's got there is it just it just is ether. It's just like oh, it, I I was standing around and something whispered to me that it, that someone once called her a Nazi. Like it came who? to me in a dream. Yeah, who motherfucker? Tell me. Go on, because you can't because you're making it up. Listen, if it was good enough for a reason to invade Iraq, it's good enough for this article. <laughs> I mean, this is essentially like this is just the the, the 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 it's the same trick as the Guido Fawkes pipeline. It's like somebody makes up some random shit, then it gets reported in Guido Fawkes, and then the Times can say, "Well, it's been reported somewhere else," and then yeah, that's exactly. how you launder it through uh, yeah. in, into like you know reputable papers. Yeah, and once it's been in the New Statesman like this, and and he'll have got it from some other report that said this, it then eventually just accretes. Like a yeah. level of um, of like respectability until people say, well, it definitely happened because three places said it did, and then you chase it back and you find there's nothing, it, there's no, there's no one it's tied to. I mean, this is it's a nice little sample size uh, sample of like how the media in like at large works, like this because this like methodology could equally be applied to fucking anti-Semitism over under Corbyn. Um, the uh, that story about the uh, was it that Muslim family that supposedly like adopted a, Chris, a Christian girl and all yeah, that shit? Yeah, the Andrew Norfolk yeah. thing. The, this week with the with the the claim, you know, that the trans woman had said, "I'm going to wipe my hands on my penis." When it turns out oh, she geez. said, "I'm oh, going to wipe my hand on my yeah. jeans." But that's been in one Daily Mail <laughs> thing so far, and an Evening Standard story. By the end of the week, it'll be in fifteen, twenty stories. Um, guaranteed and then it becomes a true mm. statement and it doesn't matter how much we shout and say it's not true here's why it's not true because it just becomes you know another 
they, this is like folk tales. They're just telling themselves these folk tales. <laughs> I enjoyed that one, David. I did like that too, David. It got a sensible <laughs> chuckle from me. Very gauche is where you are. I find the hatred baffling, said Andrew Sullivan, who also gave up a prized column in the New York media to move to Substack. Andrew Sullivan, if you were wondering, is another like right wing shit you who helped like put the bell curve and like that race science shit into into yeah. uh, like, you know, the public conversation. Yeah, another situation yeah. where any decent publication, which obviously a new statesman isn't, you would contextualize who Andrew Sullivan is. You, you don't assume the reader knows yes. who they are. But he hasn't, yeah. because if he did, he'd have to say Andrew Sullivan, who is widely considered a mad <laughs> racist, which might undermine his, you know, like, position in this of how brilliant Barry Vice is. Contribute to the science of race. <laughs> Editor of Eugenics <laughs> Monthly, Andrew Sullivan says. <laughs> Asked to explain the feeling against Barry Weiss, Sullivan suggests that she is a young Jewish lesbian mother. And if you have those characteristics, you are supposed to be very left, and she isn't. The other obvious factor is jealousy. (laughs) (laughs) I just just did a sigh, which made it sound like I was a large inflatable just deflating. I just... I mean, it's just, I mean, we do, I do love to just beat around the bush of like, actually, it's just very easy to hate someone that supports apartheid. It's very, very simple. <laughs> um, the fury some feel is easily heard on local, on local podcasts, such as Chapo Trap House, a show hosted out of Brooklyn by <laughs> three once young men. It makes it sound like a corner what? shop. <laughs> what? Three once young men? By the way, Jesus all the, I had Christ. to, I, I looked up to check when I was, tweeting about this terrible article they're all either just uh, they're all either late 30s or just in their early 40s but so this game yeah. of like oh they're, they're ancient these these 70 year old maniacs on this <laughs> podcast that's only listened to in you know three blocks in brooklyn like what are you talking yeah. about Chapo Trap like not- the internet, the vast internationally successful hugely popular yeah. talk- when they're talking about how profitable barry vice is the free press is right. Have a look at how much Chapo makes. Jesus, yeah. <laughs> yeah. it is it is farcical, isn't it? I always hate talking about her. One of the hosts says to the other two on one of the many episodes in which the trio painstakingly dissect an article or an announcement by Weiss, because there's just nothing there, just an absolute zero. Weiss is, says another one of the men, so fucking vacant, just an empty case. <laughs> I mean, uh, just to go back to the, like, once young men, the, uh, like, particularly in the US, like, compared to the fucking gerontocracy that runs that country, they're positively, like, <laughs> cherubic. Do you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, but in our, in our media, most columnists are in their 50s or 60s, right? Yeah. Like, they'd be yeah. young. Stick them on the Times, they'd be the younger columnists. Like, yeah, yeah. Apart, I mean, apart from James Marriott, who who you know is still covered in amniotic fluid. Apart from him, it may be amongst <laughs> the uh, the younger ones. Look, at least he's respectful and bring and brings the breast milk in in the suitcase. But the the <laughs> last, let me give you the last sentence of this paragraph because it's fucking incredible. Because this is where he does some ass covering. 
On this occasion, it was Weiss's attempt to set up a new university in Austin in 2021 that they were disgusted by. <laughs> Parentheses. A friend of Weiss la Weiss's later concedes that the university is currently little more than a summer school. Multiple members of its advisory board have since quit. Oh. <laughs> so they were right. Just just to go back as well, like that, that Weiss is, says another of the men... Like, yeah, yeah. Honestly, if you're tr if you're trying to fucking own them, don't identify them as men here. Identify <laughs> them as podcasters. You yeah. set yourself up with it. The own was right there, and you just went right over it because you thought you had a better one, and you didn't. Shame I've cut. I, I've cut for brevity some paragraphs about her upbringing and stuff because it's frankly not very interesting. Oh, or something I did want to cover just quickly though is the thing where he quotes from the podcast, right? And he quotes um, all the quotes he has are all where they're swearing, right? It's just bullshit and fun yeah. and whatever. But they're so mimsy that they that they uh, star them out. They right? asterisk so, it, yeah. So so either right, don't quote, <laughs> don't use the quotes where they're swearing because you're like too you know, milk fed to like quote, like the readers of the new statesman are nominally adults, right? They may not have the brain function of an adult, but they are legally adults. And so like my attitude is if adults are reading what I write and I put a swear word in there, I'm going to respect the person who's reading it and go, okay, there's the word fuck. Are you okay with that? Like instead of starring it out. And the other thing is I went back and listened to that episode of Trapo and Chapo. And, it, and it's like, um, they make really good, solid points about it's a why good, she's it's ridiculous. It's a good episode. They do their it's homework a good episode. on that one. Yeah. And, and, but he wants to frame it as, oh, they just swear and um, slagger off for no reason. It's like, no, no, if you listen, they make... Lo but you can't put those arguments in this piece because he is not capable of saying, they say this, here's why I think they're wrong. So what he has to do is not even put their arguments in there. It's not journalism. If you're a journalist... You, you, they're barely barely any of them exist anymore but if you are a journalist and there are arguments that disagree with the through line of your piece you put them in and you argue against them or you put them there and let the reader go all right i see these two arguments i'm going to decide which one no, i think mate, is right you're getting it wrong again what you do is you get several big bales of straw and then <laughs> acquire some t-shirts with local music bands on them <laughs> I mean, am I, 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 although I am given to understand that like the, the most popular uh, like section of the new statesman week in, week out is like peekaboo, where they like where you, you, you open the page and then you close it. And then like when you close the page, it's like, you know, it's like the, the image was never there. It's the, the, the readers are, every week. They're just baffled by how that works. Great, great for the rereadability of the of the magazine. <laughs> In April 2017, Weiss was plucked from obscurity. Again, Mick, as you said, she wasn't. She was already a presence in you know the New York media scene. Was plucked from obscurity when the New York Times hired her, along with her boss and mentor at the Journal, Brett Stevens, the bedbug Stevens, uh, in order to broaden the paper's ideological range following Trump's victory. She had just been handed <laughs> prime real estate in New York media. Oh. Yeah, we're, go we're gonna remove one of the fucking blinkers. Guess which one it is. <laughs> Because, I mean, this... because fa God, famously, the, no one's heard of the Wall Street Journal. No one's heard of it. No, nobody knows it. Famously, just I no only one know knows. about the failing Wall Street Journal. <laughs> <laughs> uh, immediately, Vice began to highlight what she saw as the intolerances, intolerances and illiberalism of the political left. 
In her second column, she wrote about the case of Brett Weinstein, then professor at some college, who had objected to a proposal for an enforced day of absence for white people on campus. Dozens of students. I know, I know it's like it's kind of tried to bring it up, but like this idea that the left is like capital L liberal. I mean, obviously, like this is sort of less applicable in America because the nah, the, the political political left of America is still capital L liberal. Liberal. <laughs> yeah. Yes. But like, it just bothers me, right? Because like, you've got like, uh, uncapitalized L libertarian left, which is completely different to what these people think it is. And that's kind of the what they're trying to get at, but just calling them liberal because that's just everyone who's left wing is liberal. Yeah, okay, cool. I well, know shit. what politics is, are. Is the left a liberal now? Mm-hmm. Shit. Good. What... <laughs> Weiss, uh, naturally, backed, backed the professor. Without free speech, she wrote, what is liberalism about? Debate me, you knave. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Over the next year, Weiss wrote about the extreme, unexamined views of some leaders of the 2017 Women's March who had praised known anti-Semites. She argued against the idea of cultural appropriation. She opposed the, the attempted cancellation of, of a conservative speaker, brackets, Ben Shapiro, who some considered... <laughs> uh, yeah, you write one or several tedious fucking books and all of a sudden people are trying to cancel you. It's just... We hate to see it. Uh, it's Ben Shapiro who was cancelled from being a screenwriter by his lack of talent. <laughs> and also, I, it is at this point when I need read the next sentence that I would like to remind you that this is the New Statesman and not, you know, the Times Magazine. The book oh. revolution was reaching its, its apogee, says an observer, and Weiss just said no. Her comments landed her on Bill Maher's HBO talk show, a mainstay of the cultural circuit. I read that column and said, I'm going to make her famous, Bill Maher told LA Magazine in, in December. Maher, like Barry Weiss, considers himself a liberal who has been left behind by modern American <laughs> liberalism. Uh-huh. Sorry, what, 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 is, what is the cultural circuit? Just It's the same shit, you know, it's the, the, the cultural circuit. It's like, you know, if you, are, are you on the chat shows? It's the same function here in the UK. Like, do you get on the daily politics? It's where you have to go on Jimmy yeah, but Kimmel to call and have it your the... song ruined. <laughs> but, but to call it the cultural circuit is one of the most, like, barren fucking naming conventions I have ever seen. Well, isn't it also huh? just a recognition of how people like Harry Lambert think of there's just one culture and it's whatever culture yeah. he approves of? Like, Ugh, yeah. you know, and it's like yeah. when they took, like, uh, when they think about, like, stuff that's in the Sunday Times culture magazine, right? If it's not in there, it's not, you know, it's not music or whatever. Like, like the way, like, it goes back to their whole, you know, the whole thing with world music. The bizarre thing where liberal people created this, this category of music, which means we've discovered that people in Ethiopia also make music. And, like, suddenly that's a category. It's just bizarre, you know, and it was just a way to sell CDs. But it's just crazy. You know, it's like Peter Gabriel tells me that there are a number of um, black people I've never seen before who make music. That's the vibe of this. <laughs> it's also, it's also make it's like you've got culture, and that's what we like. And if you don't like that, we've got counterculture for you. And that's the thing that is sort of, like, laughable for you to like. But, you know, it's, it's you rascal you. I mean, everything else beyond that doesn't exist. 
Yeah, like, and, you know, and it's now we come to the profoundly it. British bit of the, or the profoundly new statesman bit of the article. Nothing matters. Nothing matters as much to the many aspirants of the New York press as the pages of the New York Times. Brackets. The current storm over the paper's coverage of trans issues is yet more evidence of this. No slot is more covered. Mm -hmm. No slot is more coveted than the in, than its opinion section. By 2018, Barry Weiss had, in the eyes of that aspirant class and activists inside the New York Times newsroom, become more than a blot on the paper's masthead. She stood between them and progress with a capital P. Fuck this is. Some, oh. I, I'm reminded. She wants to fucking progress. Just come over here and just fucking become part of the Guardian. I'm, remi I'm reminded of Dennis Skinner yelling at that journalist about the fact that he, that he, the journalist, is actually part of this, like the entire enterprise of politics, for some <laughs> reason. Mm. The journalists who are active on Twitter and are considered cool explains an observer of the New York scene. No They're journalists are considered cool. No journalists <laughs> are cool. I am one. I'm not cool. No one who's ever been a journalist is cool. It, the two things cannot exist in the same space. Stop this shit. It's just not true. <laughs> Their top political focus, more so than healthcare or even labor rights, is diversity, equality, and inclusion, and trans. And it is exactly on those issues that Barry dissents. <laughs> what? And mm -hmm. trans. And trans. You can't see me, but I just aged about a hundred years during that entire thing. Uh, blah blah blah. I'm she does some... to find out what the why is, so that we can finally achieve deity. <laughs> uh, blah blah blah. She does some idiot column that like people that you know Twitter mobs. Blah blah. You know this. I don't need to read it out. Apparently, she was crushed. Crushed. Yes. Um, if only. <laughs> All of these top-of-the-class Brooklyn lefties, says one New York journalist, were furious that this person, Barry Weiss, they intimately recognize as a dumber version of themselves, was given all these column inches to say that her generations think what their parents think on race, gender, and Israel, another issue on which Weiss clashed with her contemporaries. Oh, Jesus, this is such bad fucking writing as well. Like, Jesus, how did it make it past an editor? Um... All of our hip friends were. All of our you hip don't spell friends check a stenographer, Rob. Don't worry about it. <laughs> That's true. All of our hip friends were into fashionable anti-Zionism. She had the political <laughs> views of my dad, says one of them. Uh -huh. Fashionable anti-Zionism. On the Paris catwalk yeah. this week, it's Gucci with fashionable yeah. anti-Zionism. It's just a phase. You'll grow out of it. The journalist oh, names a hell. Twitter. The journalist names a Twitter ringleader who regularly assaults Weiss online. He's a nobody and a failure, and she's a success. Although he has all the correct opinions, it's really personal for people like that. He's basically impoverished. Will never have a proper career. They claim that. It they're sounds like she's taking this cancellation really badly. It really is. It really yeah. sounds like it's just completely ruining any chance of her ever getting a column anywhere ever again. Mm. Also, why is this guy this guy's describing me again? <laughs> Fuck up. I see myself in this tweet. And I do like it. Thanks to you, Mick, they now have a sign. <laughs> <laughs> 
They claim they're socialists or whatever, but all I see is them viciously attacking people. This is the New Statesman, right? A, 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 mm-hmm. a, a magazine that was originally started by as a left-wing magazine, right? And it's, it's comfortable having the phrase, they claim they're socialist or whatever. Because the worst thing you could be <laughs> would be a socialist in the New Statesman. There are so many people <laughs> who wrote for the New Statesman in the 1930s and 40s who would be mildly displeased about this. <laughs> <laughs> in, the, in the summer of 2020, as the social justice movement boiled over, Weiss quit the New York Times with an open resignation letter that she grandly addressed to the paper's owner. That letter went off like a bomb in American media, says a friend. Oh, no, 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 can't see it, can't see it. Move on. I've, I've, I've read that new that letter. It's just whiny. It's just saying, people aren't nice to me online. Why aren't you defending me? Why aren't you paying me more for my column? It's yeah, just, and incidentally, just... she used to attack... Her whole thing is about how colleagues were bullying her. She regularly, before that letter, attacked her own colleagues on Twitter. And her whole thing was people shouldn't be attacking each other in public. It's this classic yeah. hypo- hypocritical shit. It's 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 it. You could swap in Suzanne Moore or Hadley Freeman for this. It's the exact same stunt. Like it's the exact exact down to the t the same fucking thing. You know, it's it's the it's the it's the meme. You know, the I've been cancelled screaming from the television from the papers thing. I. St- uh, blah, blah, blah. By the time she left, Barry Weiss was being openly attacked in the company-wide Slack channels with co-workers demanding she was, that she was fired. She did. She sounds like an asshole. Be... Like, come on. She is. <laughs> she did. She did not want to be hounded out of the New York Times, but when she was, she saw an opportunity. It's like, no, she saw an opportunity that when she was hounded out of the New York Times, she could go on the "I'm cancelled" circuit. That's you know, it's exact other way around. She was trying to get I fired start- for for about a year before she was she she yeah. resigned, and she they would not fire her. That's such a that is such a powerful own for, like a shitty publication. Don't get me wrong, but that that is such a powerful own of like no, I'm not going to give you the satisfaction. <laughs> you can I have to suck my- it up, mate. Go for it. <laughs> I started my own thing, Weiss said in December, to close the gap between the reality that people can see with their own eyes and ears and the insistence of putting the narrative, whatever that ge- it is that given day, over reality. That's exactly what I'm trying to do with the free press. And now this is some more real Suzanne Moore hours. In her resignation letter, Weiss claimed that intellectual curiosity is now a liability at the Times. Self-censorship, she wrote, had become the norm. If a person's ideology is in keeping with a new orthodoxy, they and their work remain unscrutinized. Everybody else lives in fear of the digital Thunderdome. <laughs> I want to go Join in the digital me, Thunderdome. It sounds so good. Online venom is excused so long as it is directed at the proper targets. Now, yes. look... Mick, you know more about what it's like to be a, a, a reporter of any stripe in this current modern day and age, whatever. But you can just not have a Twitter account or just use it to post pictures of birds and, you know, the occasional, hey, here's this thing I wrote. There are tons of people who don't, yeah, who don't. Like, the other, there are also, there are tons of, like, deeply evil people who don't have Twitter accounts. 
Look at how many times, like, there's a Sun story that's horrendous, right? And then you discover that Sun reporter is either not on Twitter or has a locked account. They don't care. Yeah. Because they're, yeah. they're not into it. They're not trying to do what Barry Vice is doing, which is, like, become famous. Uh, they're just in their little groove being evil for the Sun. Yeah, from, banality from of evil. Yeah. Yeah, it's, um, not, it's not her fault that she's not as capable or good at her job as one Laura Kunzberg, who simply just yeah. turns notifications off and gets on with her day. Yeah, like, but what she, but what she's doing is engagement farming. She wants the negative attention so she can turn around and say, "Look how persecuted I am." That's the brand. That's the whole brand. Mm-hmm. Uh, because now she has a thirty thousand plus reader Substack with like a two and a half million a year annual turnover or profit or whatever the hell it is, but like a lot of money. She, she wants to build a rival to the New York Times, one of her friends tells me preposterously. The paper has 9.6 million subscribers. Her her ambition is not small. Uh-huh. Yeah, Yet, she's it, a it, megalomaniac narcissist. No, 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 but she's really going places. Like, she's really, you know, she's broken free of the intellectual constraints and, you know, the liberal left that's been keeping her opinions down. And, you know, she's been really been getting to grips. So, yet it is Weiss, not the New York Times, who has scored some of the most sought-after interviews in recent months. When Benjamin Netanyahu returned to power as Israel's prime minister, he spoke to Barry Weiss, not America's newspaper of record. And this month, the Free Press has released an audio series with J.K. Rowling, who has not granted any other outlet an interview since becoming a lightning rod in the debate over sex and gender during the summer of 2020. Um, Rob, I'm pretty sure that I read an interview with J.K. Rowling in The Onion, actually. So yeah, that, I think, <laughs> I think that, facts, that so. thing about Barry Weiss is totally fake news. But the Onion got the real got the the real scoop there. Got, got also, the deep scoop, yeah. Lo- love to be a lightning rod that like uh you know get grows and gets bigger and bigger, twisting itself towards the lightning. Like what the fuck? What are you talking about? Love this <laughs> lightning rod idea. Is it, the, the lightning rod doesn't like no. scream at the no. clouds and say, "Come on, strike me." You know, <laughs> no, look, sorry, you ju- you you are just not Zeus pilled. A lightning rod is a rod that is forged from lightning. That's how it works, man. Right? Oh god, and how also, much like, more have we got left of this? It's 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 <laughs> we're we're in the yes, we're we're, we're running towards the closing paragraphs. I feel it's like a, I'm sustaining okay. a head injury. Let's go, Will. Yeah, Will, we're all still in with Olympus arc. Let's fucking go. Yeah. It is as an editor that Weiss has succeeded on Substack. Her site, which was originally known as Common Sense, has built much of its audience on the account of whistleblowers. Two pieces Barry Weiss published in 2021 by a teacher and a parent concerned with the new teaching around race in New York schools went viral. While the other, it's, while the site's most recent scoop was a case manager at a pediatric gender clinic. Yeah, and by the way, if you just go and quickly check online, you'll find that both these pieces have been fact-checked by people who can be bothered to fact-check them and be found to have many, many lies, including the gender clinic one uh, having a reference to the classic helicopter line, uh, but placed in there as if it were true. Yeah, it's also really weird. Like, all these dogs in my street just sort of started perking up and barking. I don't really understand what's going on. The core insight behind Barry Weiss's success, a friend suggests, again, a friend, that's just bigotry and hatred and violence. Is that what we said? I assume it was. It's just Barry Weiss wearing a chocolate fez and a collar made of marshmallows. Um, (laughs) 
little, little friendly cut, little, 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 you know, you listen to next week's and you listen back to this one and that's all makes sense. Um, is that there has been this ideological capture of the institutions and they are rotten with it. One mm. remembers thinking that Weiss's view was misplaced in the 2010s. Russia, China, Trump, climate change. These were the things that mattered. Actually, I was wrong, he reflects now. The ideas Barry Weiss was concerned about have taken over American workplace culture. Weiss, they think, has understood a few key things about this world, while a lot of intelligent people are lost. It's true. I, I can't get a minute of work done because of all the children taking puberty blockers in the office. Like, also, I'm really yeah, glad I to mean, see that climate change is not a thing that matters, whereas, you know, teaching around race and science in schools is a thing that really does. I mean, it's really starting to affect me in my work life because the emails are now just like 90% pronouns. It's it's unbelievable. It's unworkable, really. <laughs> and the entire censored text of Roald Dahl books, just <laughs> for no good reason. I'm now I'm now just picturing Alistair getting emails, but they're all in Morse code using pronouns. So it's like he him 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 he 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 him just all the way through. <laughs> yeah, completely, the completely problem, impenetrable. The, yeah, and the thing that really throws it off is each person has their own pronouns, of course. So that just makes it even less decipherable. You'll get one email that's like he him he he him, and then you get another replying to it, which is they them they they them. The most complicated and, uh, ones are the she they's. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <sighs> <laughs> why did why did Barry Weiss's most vicious critics hate her? She was the app. She was truly the, a mystery for the fucking ages. <laughs> I am a journalist. The There's no possible way to divine this information. So oh. I'm just going to put my own opinion here and not think any more about it. Isn't it fascinating to read yeah. a profile where 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 she she he's written this as if she never does anything wrong. She is just good and pure. It, yes. Like, and, and also and he, she knows she she knows some deep truth about like the american heartlands and how people really feel and she's got her finger on the pulse about what matters and it's you know interviews with jk rowling and benjamin netanyahu and i shan't inquire any further yeah i mean baby, it is, baby knows yeah i mean it is uh, i wouldn't even say fascinating but it's just very instructive to see like not even interrogating the very like i mean the guy's fucking said himself the reasons why people hate barry vice she's a zionist she's anti-trans like those are very straightforward things to disagree with anybody about and conceive um you know that this is very she's, common she, to hear she about also, she also attacks her colleagues constantly she uh is self-obsessed uh if you read other profiles of her you find out that she uh, loudly talks about herself constantly um, in social occasions. Uh, she cuts friends out for no good reason. She's a social climber that will stab anyone in the back to get where she wants to be. So, like, she's a reprehensible person. That's why people don't like her. Because she's a horrible She's the person. Jess Phillips of newspapers. Yeah. Yeah. Although <laughs> Jess Phillips is also the Jess Phillips of newspapers, so that's difficult. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's but a, Barry Weiss is third person versus first person, please. 
She was she was the apostate in the New York media, suggests a friend. She was meant to be on their team, as another observer puts it. National review writers, Trump supporters, and evangelicals are just written off by Weiss's critics. Yeah, I don't understand why, you know, far-right lunatics, far-right lunatics, and, oh, far-right lunatics are written off by her critics instead of, you know, being taken seriously when they say you can't be a Christian in public life anymore. Wait, why are you saying I can't, I just wish pe gay people were burned to death? No, I just want to be leader of the S&P. Um... <laughs> Uh, are just written off by Weiss's critic essentially for class reasons, you see? Because it's the, it's the elite, it's the leftist elite versus the, the working class, you know, people who just love the National Review and are evangelical, apparently. But Weiss was part of their social world. She was of their class. She was a writer at the New York Times, the pinnacle, exclamation mark, the height of media success, exclamation mark. Until and she, she wasn't. And she was blaspheming in their generation's name. They tried to make an example of her, but Weiss is increasingly eclipsing them all. Although in their world, her success means nothing. It's okay for her to blaspheme in, in that world, but you, you can't write the fuck word in the article, though. Too much. <laughs> it's also like no the people who like have a problem with this whole system and you know the way that the barry weiss's of this world or again substituting hadley freeman or susan morris just the same fucking person you know it's like the the problems that we have with these people aren't substantive and you know have merit in their own right no it's just it's just jealousy and and some kind of weird you betrayed our hive mind thing that you know that that makes us really mad Something I mean, it's irrevocable. Just, it's just it's just trying to obfuscate very very obvious things that I mean, like this is and this is what like the media does pretty much all of the time is obfuscate something that is actually quite clear cut uh, with a bunch of bullshit, which is uh, whatever whatever the uh, flavor of the month is. Currently, um, Zionism slash anti Zionism and transphobia. So yeah, those slot in nicely to whatever the fuck it is that we're talking about. Whether it's Barry Vice, whether it's leader for the SNP, whether it's fucking what's going on in schools. It's just this shit over and over and over again. Because to talk about the actual substantive issues of what is happening in politics or, like, local politics, education, would mean we'd actually have to tackle the fucking problems rather than this culture war shit. Yeah, no, it's it's just, it's fucking incredible. Um, and last paragraph and then, then we're, we're done, I promise. Something irrevocable was lost. One acquaintance remembers a different Weiss before she was vilified, before she won. They remember a young... Can we, can we put some... David, in the edit, can you put like some tragic piano or like violin behind this? They remember... It's, uh, it's, it's Jamie, you need to ask, so... They remember a young journalist who just wanted to be Nora Ephron, who hosted literary parties for the oh. New York media in her flat on the Upper West Side, always trenchant in her opinions, but carefree, she hadn't yet paid the price for her views. There was a lightness to her, but Weiss lost that life and built another. She was one type of dickhead, now she's another type of dickhead. The through line is, she's always been a dickhead. But now she makes a lot more money. Yeah, she's now a super rich dickhead. The best kind. How terrible I weep for her. 
God, that I made that article made me so angry the first time I read it, and now it's made me much, much more angry now. <laughs> now I've experienced the audiobook version. <laughs> oh man, it's incredible! I can't wait to get cancelled. It sounds so lovely and you know lucrative. Yeah, do, yeah. Do you know it's, it's the money I think I'm about a lot. Like if I had that much money, it's like if I if I had two million quid, right? That'd be it. I'd be gone. It'd be like, where's the newsletter gone? He's gone. We, we never hear of him. The Twitter account is gone. He's just somewhere enjoying his life. Yeah, gone are like you, a fart in the wind, eh? Out of the discourse, probably... just, discourse, just gone. That's the dream. Damn. Let's all get let's get get Richie oh, well. cancelled. Speaking <laughs> of uh, speaking of Substack, um, where can people find the works of the the genial cartographer, Mick Wright? <laughs> Brokenbottleboy.substack.com. Brokenbottleboy.substack.com. Uh, I do not earn two point five million pound a month or whatever the year. <laughs> Yeah, are we you considering to... giving two million dollars to Barry Vice? Give it to Mick instead. Mm. I mean, you know, and then I will make them a, f- a huge version of the map and put it outside the offices of every newspaper. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking forward to your light. I'm looking forward to your led by donkeys arc where this goes up on billboards around the country. <laughs> I hate them so much. I hate them so oh, much. Oh, me too, mate. I know. <laughs> oh, you mean you mean led by don- donkeys, the average blokes who all happen to be, you know, the PR officers Senior for admin. the Syrian white helmets. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, casual, casual people. Uh, but yeah, anyway, do sub to Mick Substack. So at some point he can buy some nice mother of pearl calipers to measure all the skulls of the related people in UK media. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> Oh, yeah. Um, and for us, you can get bonus episodes. They are available now at patreon.com forward slash praxiscast. You can see us uh, do some streams on Twitch. That's twitch.tv forward slash praxiscast on Thursdays and Wednesdays around uh, 7, 8 o'clock ish. Uh, check the Twitter, which is at praxiscast as well. And if you would like some merch, it is praxiscast.tml.com. We have t shirts, etc. etc. Uh, Mick, thank you very much for coming on. Um, thank you was, very much. It was nice for you to to experience and like really emote the pain of that article alongside us. Um, it's appreciated. Oh, I do. I do feel like more damaged than usual. So thank you for that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, we, always a pleasure, mate. Um, comically dusts hands. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Fuck you, Rob. <laughs> and we're not going to embarrass ourselves with a cultural. Uh, uh, comment a commentary at tonight because we've got the guy on who knows who said what. Yeah, yeah. I just I'm just yeah. still I'm still holding on to the intercontinental comment or commentary at belt. <laughs> yeah, or no, forever. I think next time what we might do is we might just play a game of battleships but with the map. <laughs> <laughs> you sunk so my good. dynasty. <laughs> What's Jeffrey Edsey oh. doing on that plane? <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, that'll be us. Bye, everybody. Thanks, everyone. Bye.